Hello and welcome to International French Football Weekly, the podcast. See what I did there? My name is Chris, I'm your host and tonight, well this evening, I'm joined by uh, a rather poorly Mr Jeremy Smith. Uh, Jess, not feeling very well at the moment, so uh, condolences to you, but excited about World Cup or maybe not? I don't know, how are you feeling? Uh, I feel awful and I'm not at all excited about the World Cup. I mean, what is there to be excited about? Like, we've had two days, we've had two joke matches where there's two teams that have looked like they don't deserve to be there. Uh, at the moment, I think it's nil-nil still in the third match. Um, yeah, I'm watching it, yeah. We've had supposed home fans leaving before the match finishes. We've had all the controversy about and hypocrisy about the armbands. Um what what's there to be excited about so far? Agreed. Yeah, that's hard hard to disagree with you there. I have to say, and uh, <coughs> I I sort of I tuned in for the the first game that the win for Ecuador uh, sort of half heartedly, and I, as soon as the first goal was disallowed, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. And then yeah, I did watch the England game earlier on, um, and yeah, I, I seem to have copped a fair amount of flack for for being anti-England as usual of course but um, I don't care what anyone says Iran were dreadful um, and I don't think their players really were that bothered if dare I say it I think they've got bigger fish to fry in uh, in, in political matters right now but nevertheless we uh, we're here to talk about France so that's what we are going to do um, we're just going to do a little bit of a, a kind of a preview ahead of the uh, game tomorrow um, really just kind of have a little bit of a chat about that um, and also look at the squad and where it stands at the moment so the big news that we we had since we last recorded Jez was the loss of two players Christopher Nkunku withdrew due to injury after a, a sort of a tackle in training um it's not a brilliant tackle from Kamavinga. Obviously, it's accidental. I mean, that's clear. But a questionable sort of whether he needed to put that much beef behind a challenge. But, you know, they say if you don't put in full force, you get more injured, etc. So that's all the end of of Nkunku. And then the story broke sort of late in, I think it was late last week or in the evening, that Karen Benzema had been training alone with Rafa Varane and had gone to to a local medical centre for, for checks. And at that point, it was very undecided about whether it was a new injury or an old one. It turns out that it was a new injury in his quad, and that effectively ruled him out of the tournament, which was later confirmed for the next 24 hours. There's been no replacement called up for Benzema, but we we, we did sort of, we did see the addition of, of Turam, and the squad is now 25. Where do you stand on it? in terms of where we are, because Benzema is a massive loss. We we know that. But is there an argument to say maybe it could be a blessing in disguise, as weird as that sounds, because France can field that kind of three, although it sounds like Griezmann's going to play deeper? I think, um, firstly, on Nkunku, um, I think there wasn't, you know, that he clearly wasn't going to start and... Deschamps doesn't seem 100% decided on him, but this is someone who you look at his record the last year or two in Germany. He's Bundesliga Player of the Year. This year already he's top scorer. Um, He's clearly a fantastic player. Yet another player that PSG let go, stupidly. Um, And I think, you know, he could easily have sort of become one of the breakout stars of this World Cup. So I think it's a real shame. And uh, uh, you mentioned that... um, 
that the tackle wasn't great but it wasn't so bad I just I thought it was a really stupid tackle to go into and I know like people have criticised me for saying that on on Twitter but to me I don't think Camavinga should have been in the squad I know it's a silly thing to say of someone who was won the Champions League and arguably turned a couple of Champions League matches last year but I think he's still very immature um, apparently his attitude in previous France meetups has been found wanting and I'm not saying that this was asking to happen but I you know I wonder if a slightly more experienced person would have gone into a tackle like that um, so yeah I feel really sorry from Kunku there um, and his loss I guess is is Randall Colomuani's game because he's he's the player who was called up to replace him and um <coughs> I think that that could be an interesting one as well. That's um, you know, I saw people criticizing his goal scoring stats this year for Frankfurt. But firstly, they're not terrible. And secondly, I think he's at the top of the assists chart. So, you know, that's a very young kid in a new country, a new culture, a new footballing culture, et cetera, et cetera. And he's immediately settled very well. So um, you know, speaks very very well to him and and hopefully he can add something to the to the France squad if needed. Um in terms of Benzema, I mean, firstly, in terms of him being picked and the injury and everything, you know, he returned to he returned to collective training. He, you know, he did the individual training with Varane. Clearly, it seems like he was made arguably ahead of Varane because then on Saturday night when they had their collective training, he was in the sort of starting starters lineup. And Varane only in the uh, sort of substitutes lineup, um, and then he went off with this quadriceps injury. And, and you said it's a new injury. I mean, apparently, the first time, sort of mid October or ever, the first time that he kind of had a layoff from from Real Madrid was because of that injury. Um, so you know, there's a lot of sort of lack of clarity about all of this. And it might just be a 34-year-old whose body is giving up on him a little bit. It might be, I've won the Ballon d'Or, I'm sort of decompressing a bit and it affects his body. I don't know what it is, but it just, it feels like something was known beforehand. And um, I feel, Lekip did an article yesterday, which I thought was, as usual, really shitty towards Deschamps, which kind of said, you know, there was a lot of, Benzema was, you know, clearly not in a great mood, clearly keep, keeping quiet about stuff. But then somehow by the end of the article, they said his entourage isn't happy with the France medical staff, even though they took everything they got from Real Madrid's medical staff in good faith. And then the last line of the article somehow almost blamed Deschamps. I mean, I don't know. I assume it's not Deschamps sort of signing off on his um, MRIs or whatever. Mm. But um, <clears throat> what... what where I do think maybe Deschamps could have acted better is, you know, he's very much, I don't want big soap operas about injuries. And uh, in the past where we've seen players like Vieira brought in, but carrying an injury, even Zidane in 2002, Ori is that sort of old man who may or may not get a game in 2010. Any of those sort of will they, won't they scenarios never seem to end well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I get making an exception for Varane because he's Varane and because 
you look at all the other centre-backs, they're so inexperienced. And I get making an exception for Benzema because he's the Ballon d'Or. But it, it felt like there was always a potential for trouble there. And, uh, I, I, you know, whatever Deschamps said when he called Turam up, um, you know, making out that it was nothing to do with Benzema, I think that's sort of retrospectively feels even more mm. now. Um, especially seeing as he's saying he's not going to call anyone up to repl- anyone up to replace him. To yeah. be honest, I, I don't have an issue with that. I think there's a lot. Well, I don't have an issue with Benzema sort of being directly replaced with another striker. I think they've got enough strikers there. I don't think they need any more. There is an issue of sort of managing the squad. Twenty six players would be a lot. You can't even have all of the ones who aren't starting on the bench. So you are managing sort of the potential for sort of people to not be happy about, like I said, not even being benched. So I don't have an issue. I think there's enough <coughs> strike power there. Mm. I maybe would have said, you know, maybe it would have been a good chance to bring in another left-sided defender or another midfielder. Um, but if he was going to do that, I guess he would have done that already. So um, yeah. I don't really have a big issue with him not replacing Benzema. Who's he going to replace him with? I mean, there's lots of obvious candidates, but none of them stand out. I mean, Terrier is not Benzema, but he offers versatility, but he's also never been in a France squad, so there's a bit of an unknown there. Ben Yedder, great experience, but never really done it for France. Same with Martial. Moussa Diaby, maybe, who's been in great recent form, but again, it's not a like-for-like replacement. It's it's difficult to say who should have been brought in anyway. Mm. Um, And then in terms of what a loss Benzema is, I... Yeah, you can really read it both ways. I mean, it's a bit like what we often say about PSG and, you know, they're not much of a team, but they can win any match because of the players they've got. I still think that's what France did in in the Nations League when they won it. I I think they were outplayed by Belgium and Spain. Mm. But Mbappe and Benzema at any moment can do something very special. Um, In the Euros... I think one of the problems in the Euros was that Benzema and Mbappe and I guess Griezmann as well, they just couldn't work out how to combine together. Um, and basically France reduced to their, their sort of best attacking weapon being Pogba pinging diagonal balls, which are great, but it's pretty limiting. And of course now Pogba isn't there, so he can't even do that. So, you know, it's two years whatever, down the line, 18 months down the line. In theory, they've had, the three of them have had a little bit more chance to kind of combine and, and get used to playing with each other. There was the Nations League that they, where they did that to an extent. Um, obviously, the recent Nations League has been very much not as strong, although, again, there were, there were injuries and they were all sort of in and out. So I'm still not convinced that the three of them had found a way to work together. I still think that Griezmann is arguably the most important player in the team in in terms of sort of um, tying everything together. And so, of course, Benzema's a massive loss because he's the Ballon d'Or. You're not a Ballon d'Or without being a brilliant footballer. But I do wonder if him not being there works to the benefit of maybe Griezmann, although, as you said, he might end up pretty much playing a more midfield role, to the benefit, obviously, of Giroud. Mbappe, we've discussed whether he was doing it for his own selfish 
uh, motives or not, but he now seems to be sort of best friends with Giroud after seemingly trying to ruin his international career just before the Euros. So uh, I'm still relatively positive that those those three together can still do a very good job. Um, but it just means that now in attack, as well as in midfield and as well as in defence, in terms of experience, you know, one or two injuries and suddenly you're, you're very short on experience. And, and that's my concern. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit back to the future in terms of the forward line. Um, so many things to unpack from what you said, though, which was very, very thorough. Um, <coughs> save, save me a job. I, I guess that the couple of things I've picked up on that, for, for me, like Terrier was the only one really that I would have considered um, just because I, if nothing else, I felt like it could, would have been reward for a, a very good 12, maybe 18 months that he's had at, at Rennes. But as you rightly said, he would have offered something different in terms of maybe more of a Dembele-esque wide forward as well as a forward if he needed it. So that was the only choice if there was a choice. When they didn't do that, you know, I don't have any issue with not replacing it. The, something about you said about the players, the, if you call too many up and they don't play, um, maybe I'm being naive here, but if I'm called up by my country, um, I mean, I wouldn't play for England, but we won't go there. Um, but if I was called up for my country and, and part of a World Cup, if even if I didn't start, I would sort of see that as an amazing experience, a bit of an honour. And maybe that's just me being naive. But do you think that there is still that that sort of lazy journalism thing about, oh, well, the French don't get on very well when they're off the pitch, et cetera, and so on. And, and there, there would still be a sort of an elkerism about a squad in terms of if there was a player or players in that squad that didn't get game time. Because I, I, I don't know, I just sort of feel like it would just be a really good experience, especially if you brought in somebody young. Or might I say, am I being naive there? I don't think it's, I don't think this one's anything to do with France, though, of course, people will sort of, paint it like that and it's yeah I think we said last week and we've had another week of it it's just really tiresome all this uh, mm. um, France uh, a second away from imploding thing but I think it's just yet another thing for any manager to have to manage and and yeah especially as a lot of those players are kind of quite inexperienced and may well just be happy to to be there and, and gain some international tournament experience um, at the same time yeah, it's one more person that you've just got to make sure that there's no issues there, that they're happy, that you you feel that you're still getting something out of them, that they're still sort of, you know, helping out the first teamers in training or whatever it is. Um, and we are talking about, I know it's a cliche, but we are talking about, uh, you know, very pampered in these days, very pampered, very highly paid ego machines I mean you, only need, you need, just need to look at you know the way they all turn up to Clairefontaine whenever there's a France match and you know, ridic- you know we said it about Kempembe recently the ridiculous way they're dressed and things like that these are I don't think these people do entirely live in the normal real world and I think that's the case for all of the sort of big nations so um yeah I just think it's one more factor and and I we know that Deschamps sort of prefers tighten it in theory squad that get on together and and sort of you know symbiosis rather than necessarily the best players so I think he's just thinking it's another unknown that I would have to deal with um I just more and more thinking this world cup is maybe going to be like (coughs) sort of 2014 I mean everyone has a go at Deschamps for being 
uh, too loyal and not wanting to change things up enough. But you look at the progression and okay, this time some of it is forced by injury. But from 2014 to 2016 and 2016 to 2018, and then I can't remember how many changes there were from then to 21, but certainly now, you know, we're not starting with any of, probably not going to start with either either of the starting centre-backs or central midfielders from only four years ago. I think, you know, Deschamps is changing things up. And I know the average age of the squad is sort of, uh, falsely upped by the likes of, you know, Mondonda or Giroud or whatever. But actually, it's a pretty young and experienced squad. And um, mm. if, if you know, in all likelihood, France are not going to win this World Cup. But if they can sort of, you know, really gain some good tournament experience that stands them in, in better stead for two years' time and four years' time, then sort of retrospectively, I don't think we'll, we'll see it such a bad thing. Yeah, agreed. And I must admit, when you said Benzema, I mean, obviously being 34-year-old body, I, I do often forget that he is 34 now. I sort of still think of him as very late 20s or early 30s. I keep forgetting he is 34 at the back end of his career. I think the older. I, I don't know why I said 34. He might, he might no, be. I think, I think you're right. I think he is. I think I think he is in, in that, that bracket. <coughs> I guess the one Actually, thing... I might be completely wrong. I think Nkunku's birthday was just the day before he got injured and I think Benzema's might be like the day after the World Cup ends or something like that okay either, either, I, I guess the one thing either way you'd say is he, he's getting up there yeah <laughs> for yeah. sure he's, he's not he's not a whippersnapper anymore um I guess the, the other thing I was, I was gonna mention about before we sort of preview the game he is indeed 34 by the way uh born 19th of December 1987 so you're right um yeah, and then Kunku 14 November 97 Oh, that's knowledge for you. Love it. Um, the other thing that I, I guess that this could or sort of bleeds into our preview, I guess, a little bit. But there is this talk that that Griezmann is going to play a, a very deep number eight slash ten role tomorrow, uh, and and the suggestions are that he's been utilised as quote unquote a midfielder in training. Um, I guess the question I have for you with with that. And, and looking ahead to the Australia game, which kicks off tomorrow at time of recording today, does that mean a real change in shape for this this France team? We'll, we'll have a look at the defence in a minute, but there is the suggestion that they will play with a, with a back four um, and then this sort of strange midfield. Is that Deschamps' way of just having that experience and the know-how of, of Griezmann in the team? He still has the opportunity to provide goals and then you can just kind of unleash Mbappe to do what he wants to do, which is play off of a front man like Giroud. And then that gives you the flexibility to bring in a Dembele. Or is it is it just needs must because of what he's got left? Is he sort of trying to reinvent the wheel, maybe overthinking it a bit? I think um, look, I'm not Jonathan Wilson or Michael Cox, thank God. But I, I still, <laughs> I know it's a terrible, reductive thing to say. I still wonder to what extent, um, in some cases, formations are just about where people stand for the kickoff. Okay. And um, Griezmann is, you know, whether it's a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1 or a diamond, whatever it is, Griezmann is going to be that player that hopefully, certainly when Benzema and Mbappe aren't, aren't 
get getting their own way and, and Griezmann sort of exiled to a right wing. Griezmann is going to be that player who's sort of central, plays relatively deep, often drops back to get the ball. Like I said, links midfield and attack. I've said before, I, genu- I genuinely think Griezmann is France's best midfielder and arguably that one of their best defenders as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I just well, think great. he's an absolutely fantastic footballer. So, you know, take all of this with a pinch of salt if you want, because I'm so biased. But I think he's he's going to do the role that he always does anyway. And especially, you know, if Benzema had been in the team, he'd be dropping back even more just to make sure that they're not stepping in each other's toes. And certainly the the midfield is sort of uh, whatever it's going to be, like Rabiot, Chouameni, Fafana, it's relatively workaday, but not not a huge amount of, of creativity there. So um, Griezmann's going to have to do a lot of that creative work and a lot of that transitional work and if you're starting with Dembele which I understand you know as long as Mbappe is happy doesn't throw a strop starting sort of on the wing and and cutting inside which I don't think he should do Um, I still think that's where he's at his best actually Um, (coughs) and especially as he says that you know he wants to have a he wants to play with a pivot and Giroud does that job it should suit him well if you've got Dembele on the other side, yes, he's been in great form. I, I still sort of have nightmares about how awful he was in the Australia match for the first match of the World Cup last time, but maybe we should look on that as a good omen then. But if you're going to have Dembele playing, it also means you're going to have someone, at least uh, at least two of your attacking three who are not going to do any defending. So as usual, and as four years ago, that leaves a lot of the onus on Giroud and particularly Griezmann to help out the midfield and the defence when, when they lose the ball. So from that point of view as well, maybe it's it's slightly better that Griezmann starts from a, a slightly deeper position. But mm. yeah, I think he, I've always said, I think he can play as a six, an eight, a ten. I think he's got nine. I think he's got the quality to do all, all of those positions. And so I don't necessarily have an issue with him starting as an eight. If you've got those front three, uh, uh, sort of at the top at the top of their form, then you've just got Griezmann, I guess, sort of providing the ammunition for them. Yeah, I think he's got. I think he's got a really <coughs> infectious personality as well. Like you know, just he just every video you see. I know you can't read into too much, but you know, you see like these montage videos of like the players coming out to train and that, and you see them, you know, acknowledging the photographer and then you know, and all these at the back sort of behind the scenes gym work and all this they do he always seems like a guy who's just really happy um and and yeah. i think and i think the one thing that this world cup may potentially depending on how far how far france go it might actually free him up from the torture he's having at atletico madrid at the moment you know in terms of that his form wasn't very good he had a whole contractual issue atletico are not playing well at all at the moment it's a bit of a mess there and I feel like France is almost his escape. Um, and I also kind of feel like that might be the case for Mbappe as well. I mean, you know, who knows how happy or unhappy he is at his club currently. Nobody really knows but him. Um, but that that sort of removal of Benzema, if you will, frees him up now to be, you know, if there is an ego there, it now frees that ego to go and perform, doesn't it? There's no Pogba, there's no Benzema. There's, there's I mean, Kante never had an ego, but there's no other big sort of names to challenge Mbappe to be the star man now so he can go in and do that so that's what I feel might actually benefit France at the other end um, yeah I think sorry go on no no carry on no I mean I think that's a bit harsh I know Pogba's got an ego but I don't think it's ever affected um, 
sort of relations with anyone despite what his brother might play yeah, but um i think that's really important and if you look at the last world cup a lot of the sort of spirit if you want <coughs> came from pogba rami even kimpembe who apparently always you know he was sort of in charge of the music um God and, forbid. <laughs> sorry i said god forbid what they must yeah. listen to. <laughs> <laughs> um and and Dembele apparently a little bit as well. So with Pogba, Rami and and, and Kimpembe not there, that maybe is another factor in De- you know keeping Dembele there and very happy. And as you said, I think Griezmann and Giroud play an underrated role in that aspect. Um, Giroud, you know, often talks about his sort of big brother role. Um, and they're, they're a little bit older, you know, maybe there's a bit of a generational shift, but I think Griezmann, who, as you said, is sort of very young at heart and sometimes really seems like a kind of child in, in a man's mm. clothing, um, you know, could be important there. I think Mbappe already is almost like an elder statesman and, and certainly, you know, there is a massive ego there. There's no doubt about it. And he probably put too much pressure on himself at the Euros and he had a weird Euros because he didn't score any goals. He had he missed the crucial penalty, but he was pretty much involved in every goal that France scored as well. Mm-hmm. So I think he's got a lot to prove to himself and to France and to the world and all that. And I just hope he doesn't sort of put too much pressure on himself. You know, today Lekip went very big with their front page and a few articles about how it's all about him. And there was some tweet about how a France player was heard saying, basically, we're now um, Mbappe and 10 soldiers, which I think is a little bit harsh, but it shows that, as you said, he is now, there's no, you know, beforehand he was lining up next to the Ballon d'Or. Now it's just him. Um, And it's up to him. I think he's definitely capable, but it's up to him to to prove that he deserves all all that. you know, all the praise that comes his way. Mm. Uh, yeah, PSG, I, I, I don't think he's happy. With, with all this. I know this isn't about PSG, but I like how, you know, two days into the Qatari World Cup and El Khalifi has already been quoted as saying that QSI would be open to selling some of their shares in PSG. Yeah, so I think there's going to be fun and games there, as usual, for the sort of foreseeable future. But... Yeah, I, you know, Mbappe hasn't ever let everything that he's unhappy about at PSG affect his sort of goal-scoring record or whatever. But certainly now, you know, there's no sharing the limelight with Messi or Neymar. Now there's no sharing the limelight with with Benzema. I think he's finally appreciated what Giroud brings to him. Um, and so hopefully they'll be able to sort of carry on where they left off four years ago. But yeah. with Giroud scoring three goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or, or anyone scoring three goals at the moment. It sort of feels a bit like that. What what do you make of the the prospects around the defence tomorrow? Because um, this is where I'm going to be slightly biased. The, the idea that they... <coughs> some some reports suggesting that Varane's going to be going to be fit and he's going to be used. I, I question that myself, but we will wait and see. Um, and then other suggestions are that, that he won't be. And if that's the case, the talk is Upa Meccano and Kriate, uh, Kanate, sorry. Um, I, I, I appreciate he's young, but I just feel like Saliba would be the one I would go with 
and another. I mean, uh, you know, you can take your pick. But the Canate one in particular surprises me because he hasn't really had a lot of football with Liverpool. If Meccano, I think you've said a number of times, as 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 have many, that he has got a mistake in him, but he has at least been been playing, um, quote unquote. Is that a concern for you? Or does it surprise you maybe that someone like Saliba, who is the man in form, we see, we saw what Saka did for England today. You know, sometimes you just pick the players <coughs> that are in form at their clubs. Is it a bit of a surprise to you? That, I'm that McGuire. He, I'm <laughs> naturally. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, does that surprise you that, that he's not going to be sort of popped straight into the team in, in regards to sort of giving him an opportunity to play? I'm more surprised that Canate is playing than Saliba isn't, if you know what I mean. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if Varane is not starting, and I, they're saying that he's fit enough to start, but even that being the case, I'm not sure I'd rush him back. Um, it, if he's not starting, yeah, personally, I would definitely go with Salazar at right-sided centre-back. Um, and I would go for either Upamecano, who has been playing on the left side for Bayern, or Lucas Hernandez, who has been playing on the left side for Bayern, for Bayern with, yeah. with his brother at, at left back. Yeah. Um, I mean, already, I, I get that Lucas provides a little bit more sort of defensive solidity, but I think Teo is the more fit and more informed of the two. And so I'm surprised that Lucas would go ahead of him at left back for a start. Mm. Although, maybe mindful that Konate is next to him and he wants a bit more experience on the outside of someone who's going to bomb forward a little bit less. Um, yeah, my, my my big concern is Canate. I mean, rightly or wrongly, I said I haven't seen loads of him in Liverpool, but I've never rated him when I've seen him for Leipzig and he's barely played this year. So to me, that's a very strange thing. And the only thing I can think of is that Deschamps is thinking, look, we, we don't have much experience here. The two of them are used to playing together for Leipzig. It's been a while, but they have previously formed a defensive partnership. So at least they should already have some of those. Uh, I can't think of the. I can only think of the word in French. Automatisme, like like you know, understanding or whatever yeah, there yeah. between them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, maybe that that's what he's thinking. Is you know, especially with a World Cup where there's no build up and no chance to sort of get used to playing together. But it makes me very nervous. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel I feel the same way. I must admit, I just I I, say, I appreciate I am biased, of course. I'd love to see Saliba play, you know, absolutely. But, um, but if it was, yeah, if I had, I mean, if it was up to me and Varan wasn't playing, I would go back for of Pava, Saliba, Lucas Hernandez, Teo Hernandez. Yeah, I would go with the two Hernandez Hernandez is 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 as well. Um, yeah, I'm completely Hernandez, with you. Hernandez or Hernandez eyes, if you whichever you prefer. Um, and, and midfield, just to sort of draw a line under the, the team, uh, it seems like it's going to pick itself if, if if France do indeed go with this this kind of four four three two one hybrid kind of thing. Um, but assuming that that Griezmann, Giroud, and Mbappe start filling in the other three spots, would you would you be going with what? seems to be the case, which I believe is Rabiot, Shuameni and, and Dembele to fill those other three spots. Um, again, I'm hesitating only because of what happened four years ago, but yeah. I think against Australia, yes, I think if it had been Denmark first match, I'd have put, I'd have gone a little bit more defensive and I'd have gone Rabiot for funner, 
yeah, uh, Fafana is one I was thinking of. Yeah, but, exactly that. Yeah, I think I think Dembele could potentially do, hopefully, sort of do some damage, but also do his defensive shift here. Yeah, um, yeah. and it gives you, you know, a couple of different options. You got Giroud as the big man and Dembele as the sort of live wire kind of thing. So I think, yeah, I think this is the right formation for the first match. I mean, arguably, you know, by Deschamps standards, it's a pretty bold formation. Mm. I agree. I think I think it, it's also interesting to see how it, like you said, with the formation thing of you know largely it's basically just a, a thing on on paper and something to make the cameras look good when you're running through the lineups. But yeah, I agree. It'd be interesting to see how they actually, <clears throat> excuse me, how they actually sort of form in game. Whether there's a little bit more fluidity and whether um, I, I've got a suspicion that Mbappe might even be not given a free role, but I get the feeling that he might be sort of told swap wings you know have that freedom of movement and just say to Giroud you be the number nine let Dembele and Mbappe sort of float around behind you but I'm sure that's what will happen and that's what I think Giroud is great at I wouldn't be surprised if if Dembele is told actually you know stay on the wing hug the wing just keep that man like terrorise your fullback sort of thing Mm. and yeah Mbappe you've got more freedom to, to cut inside and everything but then, obviously, there's the, the usual thing about just making sure he doesn't step on Griezmann's feet. But if Griezmann's playing deeper and they're more used to playing with each other, hopefully that won't be an issue. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. I think I think we're probably both on the same page in terms of saying that this game, I mean, it's, it's must-win to get off to a good start. Just seeing the end of the Dutch game, and they got two late goals to beat Ghana um, by two goals to nil. Senegal. So a good start. Uh, Senegal, sorry, not Ghana. Get that. Keep keep saying that. I don't even know why. It's two completely different countries. Um, so the Dutch got off to a good start. Obviously, we saw England get off to a good start of the quote-unquote major nations. Um, France's, France's turn up next. Argentina play early in the early in the day tomorrow as well. So all eyes will be will be very much on the French. I don't. I don't foresee too many problems against the Australians. I know we both said the Denmark game is the biggie, but it is really important, isn't it, just to get off to not just a winning start, but off to a performing start, you know, silence a few of the concerns and and get into a, a rhythm. Do you foresee there being any concerns in this particular game? Four years ago, France were diabolical against Australia, very lucky to get the win, mm. and they went on to win the World Cup. So... It's not terminal, and a lot of them, a lot of players afterwards said that it was sort of the kind of post-match debrief and Deschamps having a go at them and everything that actually was almost like the turning point for them. So um, a little bit of adversity isn't the worst thing in the world, but for the sake of everyone's nerves, um, I'd rather it was a straightforward win. And yeah. I'm, I've just got a really bad feeling about it. But look, I, I think it's a must win in that then they can afford to only draw or potentially even lose to Denmark. And, you know, they're, they're two, most, two of their most recent matches have been defeats to Denmark. So it's not, uh, it's nowhere near a foregone conclusion um, that they'll get anything from that match, especially because Denmark's midfield is, is very good. And, um, France's is not bad, but very inexperienced. So that really does concern me. <coughs> so I really feel like there's extra pressure to get a win. I'm not bothered yet. First match of the tournament, I'm not bothered about sort of statement wins or anything like that, but just get a win by hook or by crook. Mm. 
yeah. and I'm just not convinced <laughs> it's gonna happen no, I, I just I can see it you know like 2016 first match ever gives away a really stupid penalty and it takes a very late goal to save blushes same happened 2018 MTT stupid penalty uh I just worry that third time unlucky <laughs> Yeah, I, I do get I do get the pessimism, and, and I, I often think it's always it's safer to assume things will be the worst than be the best because then you you don't have to have any disappointment. But um, I'm going to put my neck on the line and, and say I fancy I fancy them to win this this game fairly comfortably. And I basically it, I mean the, the the thing that I'm sort of relatively pleased about is that Australian fans seem really down. On yeah, <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. And based on what we've seen from, you know, Iran was supposed to be quite tough, you know, resilient opposition for England. They weren't. Qatar was supposed to be, well, they'll be organised, they'll be disciplined. They weren't. Um, off the basis of that, I just sort of think any team that, that is struggling may well actually struggle on into this tournament. But you know, I don't want to but my concern is that France is struggling into this tournament. That's the, that's the other, that's the flip side of the coin, isn't it? For sure. I can't. But then that. so are England, I suppose. Yeah, true, true. Form goes out the window. And, and that's the thing. <laughs> if France do get off to a good, good result and a good start tomorrow, then, you know, the wheels go into motion. And if there's a happy camp, then we don't have any concerns, you know, with, with uh, how it settles. At least that's the, that's the hope anyway. Um, I don't, I don't, yeah. I think the bottom line is I think any, question of it being an unhappy camp is bollocks and just Mm. trying to find a story but there is clearly there have been so many issues on and off the pitch that um yeah uh, it hasn't gone straightforwardly and I'd love it if you know the Italians usually seem to win the World Cup when everything goes wrong beforehand France don't (laughs) Mm. (laughs) yeah we need a bit of Italian spirit in yeah I know what you mean I know what you mean uh, be intrigued. I'm going to be very intrigued to see what we get from the Argentines tomorrow. Um, they're my personal favourites, and then we know Brazil. The Dutch didn't look brilliant to me, if I'm honest. Today, um, you know, they got the two late goals, but they they didn't look fantastic. Um, and in England, yeah, I mean, they scored a couple of very good goals today. But I have to say, I just can't, I can't sort of announce suddenly that they're going to be, you know, high up on the list of teams to win it because I just thought Iran was so poor. But it'd be very interesting to see what. Argentina and then Brazil do uh, sandwiching the France game. Um, it's the usual thing, like it's not usually the team that looks amazing during the group stage that goes on. No, to it, so. it's the team that plays its way in, isn't it? The team that yeah. sort of adjusts into the tournament and grows into the tournament. Yeah, we have, and obviously you can't judge anything until you've seen everybody uh, play at least one game as well. So we shall see what happens there. I did want to give a really sort of random shout out, but I was watching the. The, uh, one of the French official French Instagram accounts. Did you see this story of these two young gentlemen who cycled to uh, to Qatar? Um, yeah, it is. I think it's on the the FFF page on on Instagram. A chat, two chats. One called uh, Medi Balamisa, <coughs> and his friend Gabriel Martin. And they got to meet Deschamps and, and all the coaching staff in the lobby of the French hotel. And they got given signed shirts and it was just just a really wholesome story. And apparently it was just these two two French guys who decided once the tournament was confirmed to be there that they were going to cycle from mainland France to Qatar, uh, obviously whilst using ferries and God knows what else to get them across certain parts where they couldn't cycle. But yeah, ultimately they cycled the entire journey. And um, yeah, it's just a really, really wholesome story. So it's worth a watch. It's about two, two minute reel on Instagram, but 
yeah, it's quite wholesome. And uh, Didier seemed seemed rather um, rather shocked that they'd actually done it. I don't know if he got brief that they were they were coming, but he seemed incredibly uh, surprised and in admir- admiration or in big admiration of these two gentlemen. So fair play to them. Doesn't seem to be a huge amount of French fans over there, from what I can gather. Reading from the reports, it doesn't seem like a huge amount of people have travelled from France. I don't think we should be really surprised, should we, in that in terms of that? I'm not sure there's many from any countries really, but there's never no. a huge I don't you know, compared to other com- countries, there's never a massive French no um, contingent. So no, as, not as really. much as football has grown, I think you know, sort of the rugby population probably would have been a bigger fan base and, and in and in that country as well it's just yeah i mean as you said i haven't seen a huge gaggle of of any particular fans the dutch senegal um game was half full in the stadium and all manner of things it, but yeah i mean if the dutch fans aren't yeah then you know up for it then, then no one else is going to be yeah true that true that Good stuff. Okay, well, we will keep everything crossed. Um, just sort of as you, as a listener, sort of to keep you informed, we don't have a, a set plan for this tournament. We are going to sort of go about it as best we can. Obviously, we're going to try and, um, age has got to get well first, but also we've got to try and plan our pods around our, our own work life, etc. And, and although most of the games are at decent times, it is sometimes difficult to marry the two up. So I think the, the plan is we're going to try and, try and record something after the, the French game tomorrow on Wednesday. So uh, sort of maybe 24 hours later, um, if we can find or work the time in, if not, it might be a day later, but we'll try and work something out so that we can get at least a little bit of a, a chat, even if it's uh, sort of half hour pod or whatever it might be just to break down the game that we've seen. And of course we'll keep tabs on the Denmark game as well to see what sort of start they make. So we will be across those games. Um, but yeah, keep, uh, keep an eye on our timeline and obviously when we're there posted they'll be posted um but that's pretty much all that remains to be said at this stage is just uh, very good luck to the french team to didier and, and all of the squad and hopefully we will be able to uh sit back smugly on our sofas like the england fans are tonight and say there we go we've arrived uh, this time tomorrow we shall see but uh, until then just uh, get well soon um maybe don't have anything too strong tonight but Maybe some lemon sip or something. <laughs> yeah, just have one. There you go. They, they, no matter how, what, matter what flavors they use, they just don't taste very nice. Do they? They're just no, they really don't. We'll get well to you soon. Um, we'll be back, like I say, in the course of the next couple of days. Very good luck to France, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, this World Cup um, picks up steam in the next couple of days because it's been a bit, it's been a bit meh. Anyway, we will speak to you very soon. Uh, enjoy the game tomorrow. Best of luck to the boys. We'll speak to you very soon. Take care.